When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet, as always, as our our hopeful, upbeat attitude from the last episode has now come crashing down once again as this roller coaster continues for this team. After the Avs win two games on home ice, they go out and they lose their next two, losing in overtime to the Detroit Red Wings, 2-1 to one on the road, and then losing 4-3 to three to the Toronto Maple Leafs on home ice, where just these games are really in a microcosm, gathering everything wrong with this team. And what this entire season has been, where in the Toronto game that we are fresh off of only a few minutes after, where you can look at the whole game, watch the whole thing, say they did a lot of things right, played pretty hard, had a pretty solid effort, and just all the little problems that have plagued this team all season all come to bite at once. Just little mistakes killed them in this game. The penalty kill, 0 for 2 in this game. Power play, 1 for 1, 100% in this game, but they only get one power play. Georgiev is fine. He lets up one goal you want back, but just ultimately little mistakes and momentum tumbling out of control leave you walking out of this game tied 3-3 late and walking out without a point. Yeah, uh, both of these losses hurt me more than a regular season loss should hurt me. You know what I mean? Because the Detroit one especially, I was like, why am I so upset about a regular season loss? And you follow that up with this Toronto game where, again, I'm just like, why am I this upset about a regular season loss? And the reason behind it is the flaws of this team have shown in these past two games. And if there's anything holding this abs team back from being a special team, it's these flaws and they just can't get out of their own way. And the flaws of it being like, I, I think the Roaring twenties line has been good. When's the last time they scored the third line of Ryan Johansson, Arturi Lekkinen and Zach Parisi. I mean, they don't do jack shit. And the fourth line, Cogliano gets a goal against Toronto, but I mean, if your top line's not scoring five points in a game, you're not winning. And that's a problem going into the postseason. Nathan McKinnon has three points in this game against Toronto. He keeps his home point streak alive. He has the lone goal against the Red Wings in the two to one loss, where they're just they're not getting a ton of support. Right now, the goals in this Leaf game are Terry Lekkinen scoring on the power play set up by McKinnon. Kale McCarr gets a point to end his pointless streak, which we will get into later. Cogliano scores from McKinnon and Rantanen, and then Rantanen scores his 30th of the season set up by McKinnon and Byram. Those are your three goals of the game. 
And again, like the Leafs game, it's not like this is an embarrassment or just like, oh, they didn't try. They didn't give a shit. It's just the little things, the little details not coming together for this team lately and just not being able to push a game over the finish line where I I felt like the game was lost in the second period with just those two back-to-back goals, the second one from Bertuzzi and then the one from Marner where if the Avs bury that chance on the other end, they're up 3-1, whole different game, and then Byram plows over Georgiev and Bertuzzi has a pretty wide-open net to shoot at. Okay, it's a 2-2 game, and then the Leafs get a ton of momentum for the next two minutes. The Avs can't handle it. Marner has a shot from distance that gets through everyone, including Georgiev, which Bednar himself says you'd like to see a save on that one, and and it's 3-2. to two. This team's had a lot of trouble handling momentum over the last couple of months where way too often one goal against turns into two, and sometimes three, and it completely changes the entire outlook of the game. Changes the entire outlook of the game, and the third goal by Marner... That one, I, I still don't know how that goes in. Like, Yuriev has a little bit of a screen in front of him, but the puck doesn't get deflected. Like You you just got to be in position to make that save. And it's tough for Georgiev. I think, what do you end up finishing with? Like an 892 in this game? I think he ends up with like an 867. 867. I mean, three of the goals, there's nothing you can do, but you need to, to make that one big save. And I had a lot of people in my Twitter mentions being like, you can't rely on a team to give you five goals of support, and they're right. Like the Avs, if you score three goals, you should have a chance to win a majority of the games. But the momentum swings like you were talking about just killed this team again because I think that's what pisses me off most about this Toronto game. I think we outplayed them for a majority of the game. I really I thought, do. I thought it was a very even game yeah. for the most part. Like I thought the Leafs didn't, outside of that stretch, didn't run the Avs out of the building. I thought the Avs didn't run them out of the building. It was a very good competitive game between two very good hockey teams. But just that little stretch right there, to me, made all the difference. And I'm not going to sit here and pin this entire thing on Georgiev because it's it's not true. This game is no. not his fault. One he, goal is bad. The, the other three, there was absolutely nothing he can do. You need help from your defense on those other three. Right, and especially going back to the Red Wings game, like you, you need help from the rest of your team sometimes as a goalie. And this opportunity for Marner comes off of the back of chances where – the Avs are just getting hemmed in their own zone. The Leafs are feeling themselves. They have momentum, and the, the Avs, they can't stop them for whatever reason. And it allows Marner to get enough space to make a play like that happen. And again, the little things before on that tying goal for Bertuzzi, where it's a, the Avs can't finish at one end, and it's a mad scramble at the other, and Byram's just kind of runs over his own his own goalie and gives Bertuzzi enough space to to tie the game at two like it's just an incredibly frustrating loss you get to later in the game Brandonen's tied the game at three early in the third both teams are going back and forth you hold the Leafs in the third period to four shots yeah and you lose the game and you, you lose, lose the game, game. and you lose yep. the game where it seems like things are going well you're pretty much destined for overtime and Brandonen's got plenty of time and again, some of the best hands in the league when he decides to use it and just sends it over the glass. It's he said it himself in the scrum after the game. Like it's just a it's a bad decision. Did not have to do that. But you go to that. That was the second penalty kill of the game for the Avalanche, and they could not get over the finish line on either of them. Where it's Tyler Bertuzzi 
pretty much unopposed in front of. I mean, that was a hell of a play by Nylander. Great play. There was no one looking at Tyler Bertuzzi. That cannot happen. Well, in in the post game, I I think it was John Mitchell saying it was like the guy behind the net is the least dangerous player on the ice. I get what Sammy G is trying to do, but you can't leave a guy wide open in front with a playmaker like Nylander. He's going to make that play. It was a hell of a play by Nylander. He tricked out everyone in the building, including the cameraman. And it's just the PK. I get the Leafs have a very good power play, but they made that just look like once that penalty happened, you just, after you saw the first power play, you're like, yeah, this game's over. Like They're, they're going to score here. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like they didn't want to call penalties all game and they were, they were consistent with that. Both sides had one power play in the first period and they, they each scored on it, but with an over the glass one, it's not a debate. Like nope. that's just, that's the one thing they call pretty much every time, like debate the rule all you want. It's the rule. You can't put yourself in that situation that late in the game against the second best power play in the NHL that operates with guys like Matthews and Marner and Nylander and a a net front guy like Bertuzzi who scored both of the power play goals in this game. Like it's just the little things just killing them. Did we hold Matthews without a point in this game? No, Matthews had, uh, he had the assist on that last one, I think a secondary. So you hold Matthews without a goal. That's pretty impressive that you still lose the game. Yeah. I mean, head to head, Matthews has a secondary assist and McKinnon picks up three points and you can't win. Yep. I mean, you, you hit the nail right on the head there, man. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like it was just, it sucks that Miko had to take that penalty because this was probably the best game he's had in three weeks. And even then he has the goal and a couple of points. I still didn't love it from him there still seemed like there were moments where it's just not all there for him right now, but he has so much talent and on the tying goal is just like, Oh, Oh yeah. I'm going to shoot it. And it works. He said that in the post game. Did you hear he said in the post game where he was like, I've been way too passive lately. I need to shoot the puck more. And it's like, yes, yes. yes. Shoot the puck. Like great, you, great idea. Mr. 55 goal scorer. Yes, Why you don't have the best shot on the team. More? You right. have the best shot on the team, man. And just go go and shoot the puck. Like, we'll talk about in the Detroit game. There was a chance he had in overtime where he chooses to pass the puck to Ross Colton. It's like, I love Ross Colton, dude. But you're Miko fucking Ranton, and I trust you to shoot the puck more than Ross Colton. I know it was the right play in quotations, but he's been way too passive lately. He gets a goal and an assist in this game. He takes that brutal penalty. But there are glimmers of hope that Miko is coming back. And I... He's not going to get to 50 goals. I'm telling you, he's not going to get to 50. He'll no, be lucky. We're, to get we're, to we're beyond that at this point. He's sitting at 30 with about 23 games left. Yeah. 23 games left. Like he'd need to go on a Matthews bender. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's Austin Matthews. I mean, I, I still think he can get 40, but there's flickers of light there for him. And that penalty just kind of puts an asterisk on the entire game because I didn't think he was terrible. He was actually noticeable in the game tonight. In a good way and a bad way. He had shots, like even early on in the game, he was having a couple of opportunities that said he was not going to be as bad as he was in Detroit. Because in Detroit, he was terrible. Like He was just out there for 25 minutes, putting up one shot on goal while Nathan McKinnon had 10 and was just completely unnoticeable the entire game. Yep, completely unnoticeable. So there are, I did like his game tonight other than the terrible penalty at the end. And... I know we talked about it on the last episode where it was a great call by Bednar to put Gerard and Manson out there on the penalty kill. I thought Kale McCarr had his best game in a long time tonight. 
like Kale McCarr looked like Kale McCarr out there. And the way he was shutting down Matthews, I just would have put McCarr and Taves out there instead of Gerard and Manson in that moment. It's easy to say that as a passive observer, but the way Kale McCarr was going tonight, I, I think he should have been out there. Yeah. I mean, Kale has had a rough go of it the last several games. And he was much better in this game. He finally breaks his pointless drought, his first point in seven games, which was by far the longest of his career. We can get more into all of that with Kale in, in due time today. But yeah, you sit now, you sit here now, two more games in, you get one point out of four. Detroit, no reason to not get two points out of that game. And in this Toronto game, no point not to at least be getting one out of that, where just even everything that happens, you just don't make one dumb mistake and you get one successful penalty kill, you, you steal a point out of this game, out of a hard-fought game, and it feels a, a little more tolerable at the very least. But again, it's just another late goal against and more points that are just slipping away for this team right now with issues that aren't solved at the trade deadline. Like, this stuff is in the room, internal, just more commitment to the smaller things. Like, okay, you trade a first for Adam Henrique. What's <laughs> really been solved here? Like, yeah. it, you're still dealing with the same problems. Right, right. And as we're recording, the Stars did uh, beat the Hurricanes 2-1. to one. So that puts you three points back, uh, and the Stars have a game in hand, I believe. No, they don't. They'll be even after that. But, yeah, I mean, it's just this this last – two games have just put such a sour taste in my mouth and it's, I don't know what the solution is for them. Like they've had the players only meeting. They've done all the talk. Like, I I don't know if there is a solution for this team right now, except just play fucking better hockey. Yeah, like it's, it's the, it's the kind of thing where it's like no one being brought in is going to solve any of these oh. things. Like, I don't know oh, what, well, there is one guy who could come in and solve right. That. But like, he's already, yeah, he, he's not. Team. It's just a matter of getting Landis Gog healthy, and like I don't know what else Jared Bednar can say to them because like he Bednar says all the right things after the game. Yeah. He says everything that everyone's thinking. Like there's no delusion happening there where he just thinks that things aren't happening. He says everything we see. Where it's like yeah. that's a bad penalty. You need to save on that one. That's another bad penalty. Guys aren't playing hard enough in front of the net. He says all the things. I imagine he's saying that to them. I don't think he's just saying that to the media. And then you could listen to the guys in the locker room. And most of the time they say all the right things. Yeah. So go do it. <laughs> but th and that's the thing. Like, okay, so we're all on the same page here where like these things are problems. So why are we now sitting here at the end of February where now you are three, five and two in your last 10 games and just been almost entirely ineffective after the all-star break and wh why are these still happening because this yeah. is not an all-star break thing anymore and this is not just the oh the road trip's hard you had a one game road trip couldn't get over the finish line in that and then against toronto against a good team that it seems like they were awake for just little mental lapses just are killing them and yeah. i don't quite understand what changed uh i don't know what changed uh, I mean, All Star Break. I want to keep using the excuse, but it's not an excuse anymore. I mean, that was ten games. Three weeks, it's yeah. been three weeks ago. 
Uh, there's actually an argument going on in my Twitter mentions right now about uh, should Jared Bednar be fired? And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here, man? Like, this is this has gotten crazy that we're going this far. I, yeah, I don't even know. What <laughs> <laughs> but dude, they've been going at it for like 40 minutes in my mentions right now. And I'm just like, I'm going to mute this. this is like, this is why after losses, you generally don't see me tweet all that much. It's just like, I don't need this in my yeah. life. I have my own opinions on the game, whatever. Right. Like it's I, I was just laughing. Team. I was like, okay, guys, like he's a Stanley Cup winning coach. He's one of the best coaches in the league. Like, like the, there's been one Stanley Cup champion since Bednar won his last. Like, <laughs> guy's been successful at literally every level, one of the most successful, longest tenured coaches in the league right now. Like, this is not a message growing state. Like, this is not Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like, Mike Sullivan's been around, I think, just as long as Bednar, and his team is genuinely suffering, and he's still getting the vote of confidence yeah. from a new general manager. So yeah. that fight's that going on. My, I was just laughing yeah. at that. I was like, this is, this is good entertainment, but we talked about in the last episode, man, the specialty teams has got to get better. And it's just, it just, we can't seem to have both of them be good at once. It's either the penalty kill is terrific and the power play is shitty or the power play is actually scoring and the penalty kill is shit. Cause that's the difference in this Toronto game. Yeah. That's and it the was difference. the difference in the Detroit game too, yep. where both teams exchanged late power plays and the Avs couldn't put the game away. Detroit converted and tied the game off of a both a terrible power play and a terrible penalty kill. Yep. Or I don't even want to say the Avs power play is, is better now because they scored in this game. You only got to see it once. It's still bad. It's yeah, it's, it's still bad, but it's I would have I would have liked to have seen it again in this game. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of people complaining about the officiating, and I don't th- I liked that game. I thought that was just a, a good officiated game. They Trust me, we did not want there to be a whistle fest in this yeah. game based on the two power plays we had to defend. Like, that was not the game we right. wanted to play. And I was cool with it. And the three penalties that were called were three blatant penalties, and the refs called them. I mean, you, yeah. you can complain all you want that Parisi got interfered with a couple of times. That's playoff hockey, man. Like, that's what it's going to be in the playoffs. And you're going to need the PK to step up. And I know – that diamond formation, man, I don't know why they keep going to that because I feel like they're just so susceptible to a backdoor play unless Kale McCarr or Devontae's can make a miraculous stop on it. I don't like the backdoor play. And I don't think Georgiev likes the backdoor play either because he can't fucking stop it. Yeah, he didn't He didn't even see the puck coming yeah. on this play. I mean, he's he's looking the, the wrong direction. I mean, that's a, right. a problem in itself. It wouldn't, would it have mattered? Tyler Bertuzzi no. is unopposed in front of your goalie, in front of the net. It, it's that I I don't know why they they've done the diamond formation for the past like two three years. I don't like it. I, I think you're just putting yourself in way too susceptible of hitting back doors and the forwards need to be able to read to go down and they haven't been able to read to go down lately. So I, I think you go back to the basic two two box and just let your defensemen who are some of the best in the world be the best defensemen in the world instead of asking them to make a hero play every time. Right. Like your your penalty kill has not been good for a while now. Like you have to take a good look at your structure here and genuinely wonder about some changes to it because it's not working yeah. right now. And I don't know if you can sit there and blame the the personnel for it. I mean, I guess you can a little bit. Oh, you can blame them a little bit. But also you see teams with not great penalty killers, not great personnel, still able to find a way to kill penalties every yep. now and again and not give up back-breaking power plays seemingly every game. But I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. I mean, the the two biggest points in the game, the two penalties the Avs took changed the entire game because the Avs yep. up 2 nothing in the first period. 
they're cruising. Samsonov looks like he's on his heels. And Ross Colton, I mean, it's a bang-bang play. I get what he was trying to do, but that's just a bad penalty to take. Bad and penalty. It's a bad penalty, penalty to take. Like, it, he just can't do that. And gives the Leafs momentum going into the second period. And then you tie the game in the third, and then Miko takes that other one. And it's just two momentum-sapping power plays to give up. So, I, I don't know, man. I, like, want to buy into this team. I want to. But I'm kind of at the point now where I don't know if I want to get emotionally hurt because I don't think this team's capable of winning a Stanley Cup. I just I feel very pragmatic about this team right now, where it's like I understand their ceiling. I also understand their limitations. Yeah. There there are a lot of them right now. Where like I don't think this team gets fixed at the trade deadline, where it's just you get Adam Henrique, you rekindle a couple of things around the edges, and all of a sudden it's just better. Like yeah. you need Miko Rantanen to be more consistently bought in. Kale McCarr has had a rough go of it. And it's not a shock that this team has had a hard time winning when Kale McCarr has been struggling. A lot of how this team is built is built around Kale McCarr's play and him driving the offense, especially on special teams, on power plays, and just in general defensively. This team is very much built around Kale McCarr's success. And when you don't have your top guys going, it's it's hard for this team to win. And when you don't have great depth support, we're like, you're getting a little bit of it, but the, the, the roaring twenties line is effective, but we knew there was a crash coming, you know, much like they're not, much they like are no good goal scores. Well, roaring twenties, right. there was a crash coming with right. that ridiculous goal scoring pace they were on. I don't think any of us saw Logan O'Connor having 13 goals at this point and going, yes, that's going to keep happening because right. that's just not the kind of player that he is. And we'll even talk like in the bottom six, they're already making changes. Freddie Olofsson gets put on waivers. We can talk about that more after the games. And it seems like they're going to give Chris Wagner more of a look. They brought in Zach Parisi and now they're, you're hearing more rumors about they're going to do more with their bottom six. Like this just, there's not enough here right now where Arturi Lekkinen is like load bearing on this team right now <laughs> as being like the lone net front presence and like the lone guy who's like, genuinely giving it everything he's got to support the guys ahead of him because it's just it's not been there from the rest no, of the it goes back to it we talked about it a couple weeks ago i think on the road trip i think you got to break up mckinnon and ranton man i think you have to at this point i think you have to break them up because you're not getting anything from the other lines and the roaring 20s line is going to create havoc but they're there to build momentum for the next line coming on the ice. The problem is the next line coming on the ice is Ryan Johansson, Zach Parisi, and uh, Arturi Lekkanen. Yeah, Lekkanen God, and God bless his soul, Arturi Lekkanen. Yeah, like it, that's the problem with it is that line, the Roaring Twenties line is great at forechecking. Like you go to the Detroit game, they set up the one goal because of their forecheck, and that's how McKinnon scores on that. But when your third line rolling out is Ryan Johansson's line, that immediately just gets rid of all the momentum because he's not going to do jack shit with it. And it's just, I think you break up the McKinnon and Rantanen line and you put Lekkanen, Druan, and McKinnon. Give, or did I say Rantanen? Lekkanen, Druan, and McKinnon. And then that second line, just put Miko and then whoever he's most comfortable playing with. Yeah. I think I, that's what you do. You got to try something at this point. I mean, we can sit here and be like, oh, this team needs Val. They need Landis Gog as much as they, as we want. 
That's not the reality we live in, no. right? They're not available. You have to find a way to make do with what you have. And if that is breaking up your golden goose on the top line, like see, just see if it works. Yes, see if it, you can get something out of it. Because it's just, Rantanen, I think, is just, he needs a boost of something. And I know McKinnon playing with McKinnon is going to be the ultimate boost, but it hasn't worked in the past 10 games. So why not split it up and give Lekkinen those top line minutes? Because if there's one guy who deserves it outside Nathan McKinnon right now, it's Arturi Lekkinen because he plays him. harder than anyone. Like, yeah. And you put, he did go up on the top line, I think, to start the third period and you moved Duran down to the third. That was just looking for an energy boost, but I, I don't think Duran's played bad. So whoever you plant on that third line with Ryan Johansson, that player is going to suffer. And that's just the problem is like, yeah, Ryan Johansson's had a little bit of a surgence lately, but here we are. We're still having this conversation. Yeah. You have just a dead anchor in the middle of your lineup where I'm seeing more of the rumors coming about confirming your theory of the trade deadline where they're probably not going to get a second line center. They're pro- they're going to get a center. I don't know if it'll be a second line center, but Ryan Johansson might still be on this team post trade deadline. That's seeming like more and more of it being a reality I just, I just can't, I can't understand that. If that actually comes to pass, like, I, I don't know. Like that's, there's no path forward here. We've said it. Yeah. He had the two goals against Vancouver. That's great. That's it. It's always <laughs> like this. There is a dead anchor in the middle of your lineup that you cannot stick anybody with. Like you talk, like you have to put Ranton in with him or whatever. And like, oh, you got to. I don't even think Ranton. I think you put Colton with Ranton. Yeah, but that's what I'm just saying. Like, but someone has to be on that line. And you have to either break up the Roaring 20s line and put him with some of them and drag them down or put him with Ranton in and force Johansson to try to keep up with that. It's just like, what are we doing? It's a problem. There's no point. The problem is very evident what needs to change in that team. And they just they can get no offensive success when he's on the ice. I felt like they got the abs in this Leafs game got dominated by David Camp and Ryan Reeves line tonight. Like Ryan Reeves in that fourth line for the Leafs were just forechecking the shit out of the abs fourth and third line, and there was nothing the abs could do about it. No, we got dominated by Ryan Reeves, dude. Yeah, they got lit up by Ryan Reeves. <laughs> like, and, and David and, Camp. And David Camp. Like, have you heard his name this season? Nope. No, he signed an extension. I've not heard a damn thing about anything that he's done. And it, that's the thing, man, is it's like you look at this game, too. I don't know what the final faceoff totals were. The abs got bodied in the faceoff circle for a majority of this game. And it's impossible to sustain momentum on an offensive zone. Like the Leafs ice the puck all the time, and they knew they were just going to win the faceoff. So who cares? They can just keep icing it. Ryan Johansson's out there. He didn't, he it felt like he couldn't win a fucking faceoff. And that's the one thing we brought him in to do was to win big faceoffs. Yeah. And even that, like you look at his percentages, Ryan Johansson had a 54% somehow in this game. And it was 52 47 for Toronto in terms of percentage. It was like they won all the big ones yep. in the game. We're just, and here we are. We're just sitting here breaking down all the minutiae of all the things that happened in this game. The fact of the matter is the, the Avs had three opportunities to really put this game out of reach and or at least solidify their lead. They're up 2-0 in the first period, and a critical changing point is Ross Colton takes a stupid penalty, and the penalty kill can't get out of it. And Okay, now it's 2-1. to one. And then they have the breakaway on the other end, and oh. they they can't they can't bury it at the other end where O'Connor, it was, it was O'Connor who had the break. Yeah, it was Logan O'Connor. I remember. And then Byram had, got stopped on the one timer. Like they're sustaining a little bit of pressure and they couldn't put it in. And then 
The Leafs go down the other way, and then it's Bertuzzi who ties the game after that. And then Marner yeah. gives them the lead, and then they tie the game again. And again, stupid penalty, where it's just you had so many chances to get this game over the finish line and at very worst-case scenario get a point, but just the little unable-to-finish details cost you. Or just I think like, the Avs, they had like two or three pucks just lying on the goal line in this game. Yeah. And you got to be able to bang those home. You have to. You have to be able to bang those in. And, and you look at for Ross. Also for Ross on the first one. Why are you celebrating that? Down. You did, yeah. did you hear a whistle? Are you hearing the goal horn? Like, yeah. What a play to the fucking whistle. You teach play to the whistle. That man. when you're four years old. <laughs> That's like the first thing you learn is it's like always play to the win. I remember my coach is saying that for sure. But you look at the stats, I feel like they showed it. The abs had like 80, no, not 80, like 60 or 65 shot attempts. Leafs end up blocking 24 shots. That's crazy. And I think a big point in that too, I think the abs were up one nothing. Drew Ann gets a puck to bounce right to him. And I forget the Leafs defenseman who sprawls out and makes a great block. The Leafs blocked a ton of shots and they they, they deserve to win the game. And that one was just tough, man. It was just a tough, tough loss to take. And the part that pisses me off, Samsonov looked so shaky the entire game. And the fact you were only able to get three pucks by him just irritates me so much. He made one big save. I can't remember who he made it on, but it was uh, that sequence where the Leafs had a broken stick and the Avs had the puck in the zone. It was Byron. Was it Rob? That was his one save that I think he made all night. But... That was the frustrating part. I thought Samsonov looked terrible tonight, and you still can't find a way to win that game. There's several opportunities where it's like, these are good teams going up against each other. The opportunities were there. The Leafs took theirs. The Avs couldn't take theirs. It's as simple as that. The team that makes the least amount of mistakes won the game, and that's how it's going to be in the playoffs until the Avs can figure it out. Because they're not winning the division at this rate playing like this. They'll be lucky to finish second playing like this so things are going the way they're going they're going to be starting on the road in dallas or winnipeg and those teams are going to have a grand old time picking them apart and finding <laughs> ways to win they're gonna have a fun time uh i mean did you like find it weird that the abs just let the leafs wear their black jerseys i think that was a league ask whereas like you can't really say no to it i feel like the abs could have been asses have been like no <laughs> we're well, gonna like- because from when that stuff happened, I'm 99% sure it's not the Leafs asking and the Avs just being nice. I'm pretty sure it's the league being like, it's hockey night in Canada. You're not the Canadian team. You're wearing your white jersey. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's just, uh, <laughs> I was like, why are we wearing white for the Leafs? Like, yeah, what, like what? It happens a couple of times. I, fu- I found it's really only for national broadcasts and generally for hockey night in Canada most of the time because they yeah the, 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 the money getters but yeah, they, they make a big stink about it they make a big stink do you miss like because you're probably too young to remember this but that well, used to be I was used... never around for the white yeah, you never got to see that the home whites kind of kicked ass and they're cool once oh see I like the home whites I'm, I'm old though like, no, I... because everyone in the stadium is wearing the good jerseys and wearing the home jerseys, that's how you get an identity in your stadium is you have everyone wearing that color. And if everyone starts switching that home, then fans are going to start wearing white and everything just looks the same. That's why everything looked the same in all, in all the old highlights. There's no oh, idea. See, I, I, love the, I love the home whites. This is our age difference showing up right here because that, that's where I grew up on hockey was the home whites. And 
yeah, I, I just, it threw me off. And then I forget, uh, someone tweeted at me and goes, this is bad. They're wearing white. Now all the bad road juju is going to come. <laughs> I, did, I did see that one. And I was like, that's a good point. That's a damn good point. And they were exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. Um, oh, that was your tweet. Flo. Flo Byram tweeted it at me. Shout out, Flo. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I I just don't think this team has it in them, man. I don't think they have that killer instinct in them. Not with they this just, version of the team. I just don't think they have it, man. I, I, I'm i preparing myself for maybe winning a round. Maybe. And that's a hard maybe at this point. I mean, we we have to be realistic about this team right now. We're over the last 10 games, starting the most important stretch of the season. They have shown very little. Their three wins have been over a Capitals team who have been better since that loss, but the Avs, the Avs should have no trouble beating that team. Stylistically, they run circles around them. They are totally built to beat Washington. Arizona has still not won a game. They are now, I think, on a 12-game losing streak. And that was a battle to win that one. Yeah, and it was, they've lost 11 in a row. I think it's either 11 or 12 at this point now. And they beat Vancouver, who was on the second half of a back-to-back. But also, like, you can look at that game pessimistically and be like, you needed two goals from Ryan Johansson to get yeah. that over the finish line kind of thing, which is nice to get, but it was hardly the best performance from the team. Like, this is just a pure pessimistic shit view here. Yeah. But those are your three wins. And, okay, you won two in a row. That's great. How are you going to follow that up, especially now that you're going on the road and coming back home to play a good team? Oh, one and one. Uh, you lost both of them where you had the opportunity in both games to close them out and through Detroit, just because we haven't really talked about it all that much through 40 minutes. It's a pretty solid performance. It was, yeah, it was one, nothing. You want more goal support, but like they were kind of doing what I asked. They did not. Yeah, they were playing a good road game. I think we both tweeted out because I'm good talking about the Leafs game. I feel like we talked everything about that game and it's, it's over. They lost stupid mistakes cost in that game. This Red Wings game, like they played 40 minutes of really good hockey. They were good defensive structure. Shout out before we go much. Eustace Annanen was phenomenal. In this I, game. I, I'm gutted for him. This is the poor dude can't catch a break, man. I, this is the second game in a row for Eustace Annanen where I'm like, this dude has been terrific. The Tampa game, none of those goals were his fault. Not even a little bit. And in Detroit, he is giving you everything he's he got given. us a point he got us a point and just giving you everything he has and on the the power play goal for detroit it's just terrible coverage yep. from kel mccarr and the penalty kill and in overtime we shouldn't be here like it's ridiculous and through 40 minutes just getting back to it you have great goaltending in front of you and you're playing pretty decently defensively. You're not getting up a ton. You have a goal from McKinnon and it's, it just looks a lot like the Rangers game where it's your only goal is from McKinnon and no one else is able to, to get anything through. Alex Lyon had a solid game. I mean, credit to the other goalie on the other end, but he, he, he hit still, that I don't, I don't think he made a spectacular save in the game. It's yeah, not like he was, he was fired. Yeah, he was fine. Like you have to give credit where it's due. He stopped yeah, 30 he stopped them all. shots, but the Avs were playing smart. They weren't taking any dumb penalties. And they had the chance in the third period to put the game away. 
They didn't. They sat back for some unexplicable reason. They turtled with a one-goal lead, and it just looked like they didn't really have much interest in putting this game away. And they had opportunities on the power play, and they, they couldn't get it over the finish line. And then you have Jonathan Drouin go to the box, and the Red Wings tie the game. And then they survived the rest of the period. Oh. Where they Yusuf survived Anand, again where Yusus Ananen had to make a save to get them a point because the Avs are getting swarmed in their own zone. Who took that penalty in the last two minutes? I'm it was O'Connor. Yeah, LOC yeah. took a it was a holding call. I remember it now it was around the net on Ben fucking Sherratt yeah. who burned him somehow. I mean, uh, it's... okay, before we go any farther, how were guys getting cooked by Ben Sherratt? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> It happened like three times where right. I talked and I was like, are you kidding me? I'm not disagreeing. That is ben Sherratt, who I don't think could beat a, a glacier in a speed competition and that we're getting hooked by him. Yeah, that, we got cooked. that one made me upset. That one made me upset. And Eustace makes a huge save on former FJT Comfort to get this to like huddle over the finish line to get us into overtime. Abs kill off the rest of the power play for the Red Wings. And in overtime, they had chances, man. Like we talked about earlier, Miko Ranston, who was terrible in this game against the Red Wings, just flat out terrible. He has a two-on-one with Ross Colton. And I can't remember who the Red Wings defender was. I want to say it was Jake Wallman. He commits to the dive very early. All Miko has to do is stop and let the guy slide by, and you still have a two-on-one because they had one guy coming back. Instead, he goes for the pass to Ross Colton and gets broken up. I just want Miko to shoot the puck there, man. Like, shoot the puck, get a rebound, and you still have Ross Colton right there. He's going to be unmarked because the guy's diving. Shoot for the rebound. It's basic overtime hockey, and he just instead tries to make the hero pass, and he gets swarted away. The Avs have another chance with Bo Byram. He has a breakaway, and he just misses the net. You can't miss the net on a breakaway, dude. You yeah. can't. You can't. And then finally, there's a a blown defensive coverage with McKinnon and Taves. They both go to one guy. Who made the pass? Was it Debrinkin who made the pass? Pretty sure it was Larkin. It was Larkin? Yeah. Sets up Patrick Kane. and used and he made so many miraculous saves. You were keeping your fingers crossed that he could make that one. Couldn't. Like, that was just – you asked so much there's, of Eustace and then no – There's no support in front of yeah. him. Like Again, I missed the days from two, three years ago where Grubauer or Kemper would be out of the lineup or both Frankie and them would be out of the lineup and the third goalie comes in and you saw them give up 15 shots. Defensively, stalwart, beautiful, perfect. They would somehow still have close games because their goalie was not great in front of them, but they still gave themselves the best chance to win by limiting all the opportunities against and playing better in front of a rookie, young, inexperienced goalie. And these last several games with Ananen, they have been killing this kid. I feel so bad for him, man. But on the positive side, the Yaz may have a backup goalie in Eustace Anandin. Yeah, that's the one That's the one, one positive where Ananen is, I think, making it a conversation. Like, do you really need to spend assets for the last 25 games of yeah. this for a goalie you're going to play seven times? That's kind of my thought process. I, I do... The past two games have shown me Eustace Anandin can perform in the NHL. He can't. His re- his stats are still murdered by that New Jersey game and the Philly game that he played last year or two years ago. These past two games, he's shown me that he can be an NHL backup. Yeah, he can and be. The, the important thing for me is the, simply the starts at all. 
him getting put in there against Tampa, him getting put in there against Detroit. Bendar was not doing that with Prosbaton. No. He f- at least feels semi-comfortable with Anand and to put him in there against playoff teams. The Lightning are going to make the playoffs, and the Red Wings are looking well in line to yep. probably take that last spot in the East right now with how they've played over the last little bit. Those are two playoff teams right there, and Anand got the start against both and answered the bell. And if it wasn't for him, those games would have been embarrassing. Yeah, he's 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 played well enough that I, I, I I'm cautiously optimistic that they don't get a backup goalie. Yeah, it's like maybe, the thing, maybe, tough in the AHL. I don't know if you've seen. He's been miraculous. He's been amazing. He's like been, they, he's five and zero with a one point nine goals against average. Like he's been. The Eagles have just soared in the standings because of the way Prozvatov is playing. It's almost like Prozvatov has hadn't had a chance to play hockey yeah. over the last couple of years, where he played a, a handful of games in the, the with Arizona last year, and then the first time he played in Colorado, that was the first time he played since like. March. Yep. Like, yeah, he struggled a little bit. And he had like three weeks in between starts. Yeah, no wonder. It's just <laughs> the goaltending has been such a mess for this team this year. But getting those performances from Ananen, like gives me a little pause on the 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 criticalness of backup goalie. Because if you can survive the rest of the season and not have to spend on a goalie and spend like probably a a draft pick you'd like to hold on to if you can you could trade it for a different aspect of a need of the team right like just not saying to just draft a guy but to trade it for something else right where with on in league minimum like you can if if he can keep that up it opens the door for other things on this team which they do need they do need do you think there's a chance that he gets to start tuesday against the stars on mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think that's a, especially when you have two games against Chicago coming up. I don't think you have to worry about it. I think Georgiev is going to get the start against Dallas because there's there's opportunities for for Ananen coming up. There are there are, but that thought is in your head a little bit where it's like maybe Ananen wouldn't be terrible, which we were not saying a month ago about. A I just I just think with the pressure of that game, the severity of that game the coach is going to put Georgiev in that situation. He's not going to put that on a rookie goalie's shoulders. That's fair. That's fair. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. The season is heating up for the Avalanche as they're past the All-Star break and getting closer to the playoffs every single day. So if you want to get yourself even more invested as the season reaches the home stretch, head to DraftKings Sportsbook now. And again, that's just 5 bucks, and you can get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Again, new customers bet just five bucks on the NHL and 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. If you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Now, Back to the episode. Overall, man, like that Red Wings game, they played great for 40 minutes. The last third period in overtime was very eerily similar to what we've seen since the All-Star break. And that puts a stain on the entire game because for 40 minutes, I thought they were great. Yeah. 
but I think we're we're kind of burying the lead here with this game because the big problem coming from that game is it's Cal McCarr, who yeah. was not very good in this game, has not been great over the last little bit, better in, against Toronto. Like, I thought that was, this game against Toronto was the best he's looked. Yeah, uh, since, since the All-Star break, I'd say that was probably his best game. But that also brings up the thing of Cal McCarr's explosiveness is just not there right yeah. now. And I want to rewind time to December when Gail McCarr was going in and out of the lineup. And I said, if he's hurt, keep him out. I don't care what happens in December or January, as long as Gail McCarr is healthy for the home stretch in the playoffs. And here we are hitting the home stretch. I can very confidently say Gail McCarr is not healthy. Th- this is not the same guy right now. He's not the same guy. And it's almost like this is kind of the perfect time to take him out of the lineup. Because- the perfect time was two months ago. It was two months ago, but right now you look at it like Gerard's playing great. Manson's playing great. Devon Taves has left a lot to be desired. Not a great look for the, that contract hasn't even started. Uh, he's left a lot to be desired. Bo Byram's getting better. Jack Johnson's been playing Kale McCarr-esque in the past weeks. And you have Sam Malinsky, who you can call up, who has shown that he can play. If Kale's banged up, take him out of the game. Like Let him get healthy because the only way this team has a chance in the playoffs is if Kale McCarr's healthy. That's yeah, I mean- the only way. I mean, that's still my stance on it, and I agree. But it's just like now we're hitting the stretch of the season. We're like, you're locked in a division race right now. Yeah. Two other teams, and your your lead on the wild card is not invincible. Like, nope. it's it's going to be hard to fall out of that, but, like, it's not unbelievable to consider that that could happen if you continue to struggle like this. But, like, you're, you're locked in the shit right now. Like, you kind of can't take Kale out, especially with a game against Dallas coming up, and especially with so many important games on the docket in the near future. Like, the time to do that was before the All-Star break and the All-Star break itself, where he sh- I, I'm still annoyed that he got elected to that game because I don't think that helped him at all to be going and doing all that. But you see him right now where it's just... You compare the highlights of him in this all-star, post-all-star break, and then you look at what he did in the playoffs in 2022 when this team won and he won a con Smythe. Like, it's not the same guy. No, but tonight against the Leafs, I thought we saw moments of that. There were a couple plays he made on the blue line. I forget who he deked out on the Leafs, but he had a chance and just got blocked. That was a patent Kale McCarr goal usually. Uh, as Daisy says hello on the episode. Yes, that's what the bonk <laughs> is, is her banging her head on the desk. It's the it's the age-old tradition. But the explosiveness, I have noticed it hasn't been there, but against the Leafs, I did see moments where it was there. Yeah, it, there were moments that I was there. And again, this game against the Leafs was much better. I planned on this being a much more important topic on the episode, but he, he had a decent game. It a good game. Toronto. But it's, just, it's not a coincidence that Rantanen is struggling, McCarr is struggling, and the team is struggling, and especially the power play has been struggling, and the penalty kill has been struggling because this team is very much built around what those two players can do with Nathan McKinnon. And it's not a surprise that we're having this conversation a lot about those two, and this team is 3-5-2 and two since the All-Star break. Almost like you can't win with one player. <laughs> yeah, like you, if you get to the playoffs, Nathan McKinnon can go into January mode and finish a seven-game series with 11 points. They're still going to lose. Yep. We saw it last year when Rantanen and McKinnon were good, and Kale was even just a little bit behind where they got no support. I don't got to tell you how that series went. I don't know if I'm ready for that type of heartbreak, but we just got to keep 
fingers crossed that something starts clicking for him. I just, um, I just don't know what it's going to take. I, I don't either. Like they've had so many losses this year where it's like, okay, that's the one that's going to wake them up. That's the one that's going to wake them up. And they still go out there and have types of performances where it's just tough. I, I do think that they, they need after this game against Dallas, just to beat the shit out of Chicago. They just need a game where they can just beat the shit out of a team. Because their confidence is gone right now. Like, well, they the, have no confidence. The thing about Dallas in this game is Dallas is going to be on the second half of the back-to-back. They're playing the Islanders on Monday in Dallas, and then they are traveling. Oh, okay, I was going to say, they're flying from New York to Colorado. Yeah. That is a brutal back-to-back. Yeah, they're traveling from Dallas to Colorado. You have to win this game. Oh, yeah. A lot, can, a lot can be forgiven if you win this game, especially in regulation. If you can find a way to get the job done – in this one, that covers up a lot of problems. But that's the thing. Dallas just snapped a three-game losing streak. They just beat Carolina 2-1 to one in a not great performance by them, but enough to get over the finish line. If you put up a stinker in this game against Oof. the Stars team on the second half of a back-to-back on your home ice, I, I'm I not out on this team, but I'm going to feel pretty like, okay, Maybe there's not much of a point in the trade deadline. Yeah, I think that's going to tell a lot. But if they they need to beat Dallas, coming down the second half of back-to-back, I imagine they'll start Wedgwood against the Islanders and then save Ottinger for Colorado just because it is a big game. I mean, this this could be, by when the season's said and done, a point or two could be the difference between winning the division or starting on the road. They're going to save their goalie for this game. They're They're going to save Ottinger. hasn't been that great lately. I watched the game against the Senators. He got his ass kicked in that one. Um, but they got to win that game. I think they will. I think they will. I, I don't know. I want to say they will. My, my only hesitation is they've played the Stars twice on the road, and they have needed massive comebacks in those games. The chances of that happening for a third time are not great. You need to have a better start-to-finish performance. This needs to be... Like, oh, your get-right games are against Chicago and Nashville and these other games coming up. No, this is. This is your get-right game. This is a playoff game. This yeah, is a you win this one, and then the rest of the week is not terrible. You can go in feeling pretty good at the end of next week. Yeah, you can start to really rack up some points over the next couple of games, but it starts here with Dallas. You have not had an important division game in a long time, almost two months since the last time you played Dallas on January 4th. Because after this, you're not playing either them or Winnipeg again until April 7th when you play Dallas <laughs> again. And you play Winnipeg on April 13th. This is it. Like, this is the one where you can really control your own fate for the next two months, where you are in direct control of the results. You have to take advantage, especially Dallas is on the second half of back-to-back. They haven't won 10 in a row. Like, Toronto, at very least, was on a winning streak coming into this game. They lost to the Stars, lost four in a row. They lost to Edmonton in overtime. They lost to Boston in a shootout. Lost to the Rangers and the Senators in regulation, and they snuck by Carolina today. They're playing the Islanders the day before. You need to take care of business. Is that so? There's no excuses to be made. There's like, yeah, you've got guys missing. I don't care. I don't care. Those have not been the problems with this team lately. Will things get easier when Val is back in the lineup and eventually when Gabe is back in the lineup? Yeah. But they haven't been for a while now. Get used to it already. 
You have to adapt, you have to adjust, and you have to take care of business. And you can't make the same stupid mistakes over and over again, where in the the tie game in a in the third period, you're throwing the puck over the glass or you're leaving guys uncovered in front of your net. If you clean up your performance, you'll win the game. It's win the game. It's, it sometimes is that simple. You make less mistakes than the other team and you win them. Yeah. And we we talked about it February, this this gauntlet of a schedule. Didn't go well for the Avs. But you look at March, you beat Dallas, you should beat Chicago. You got Nashville that next Saturday or that Saturday, and you got Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota. They're going to be favored in all five of those games by a wide margin. If you can go on a nice little five-game win streak and then you get Calgary and Vancouver on the road, they could we could be back. Like I could be buying back into this team at that point. This game against Dallas is really the end of the gauntlet. It it's the end of the gauntlet. This month of February has been a gauntlet, and you have failed miserably. Failed. An F is the grade. But if you can find a way to beat Dallas, find a way to beat Chicago, and then all of a sudden you set up for that Nashville, Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota, we could be talking about a nice little five-game win streak. Yeah, and you know, in even then you throw in the first Detroit game, you get a point out of that. You can turn this into a they've gotten points out of their last six or seven games and really spin that into something positive. But it starts with Dallas. It starts with just, Dallas. This is a I, big, big game. I, I am just flat out not interested in any other result than a solid win. Whereas what's what's the excuse? Okay, so you've been playing Eastern teams on the road for the most part. Okay, well, like this haven't been games with a ton of juice to them lately. Okay, okay, fine. Dallas at home, second half of a back-to-back. Nationally televised, which that's going to suck. Nationally televised game. Not interested, oh, dude. I'm sorry, you have to. You're, you're, oh man, <laughs> we're recording. After I, this, I, I, this, I put this all well into consideration when we planned out this episode schedule. It's like, okay, if we do this, we're going to be recording after a 9 30 game in the middle of the week, and there's zero percent chance that game starts at 9 30. Oh, but I, that's my thing. All right, I, I'm putting in the extra effort, yep. so I'm not interested in anything <laughs> but the extra effort from this team. If they lose game. that game, you're going to get all-time cranky. It, that is exactly <laughs> the plan here. If they cannot get over the finish line this game, if they have another Toronto game, I am coming on here with the the force of a thousand stuff <laughs> because it is going to be 1230. There's an hour still to go. I got to edit this thing. I am going to be on fire. <laughs> I may not even show up. I may just let you do the whole episode by yourself. It's how it was like back in the old days of me doing stuff by myself <laughs> where I would literally just ramble like unintelligibly for an hour. I may, I, I may just mute my mic the entire time and just let you go. <laughs> just say one word at the beginning like, hey, what's up, guys? I'm here. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think they're going to beat Dallas. I think it's going to be a 3-2 game. I think they win it in regulation. Yeah. I I, I want to say they do. I want to say they beat Dallas. I'm going to say they win it four to two and just get good performances from their guys and good performance from McKinnon. Keep the point streak alive at home where Kale McCarr bounces back and Georgiev has a strong night. I mean, that's in a perfect ideal world. That's what you want. And keep Joe Pavelski from scoring a goal. I'm not going to go that far. (laughs) Probably won't happen. Probably won't happen. But that's that's pretty much it for the games coming up. Uh, Griffin mentioned at the beginning, the Avs made the – was it a surprise move putting Olsen on waivers? A little bit of a surprise, honestly. I mean, I didn't see it coming that they were going to – I didn't see it coming either. But it – I mean, I saw people online be like, why send down Freddie? Like, he's – 
he's been he hasn't been that great. It's not like he's doing anything. Like the I fourth mean, line center, he's been very replaceable. He's been useful a little bit. I yeah. mean, he's just, he doesn't do a ton, but he's been a decent penalty killer, pretty good puck hound. Like just, I mean, he he's trying hard out there. Yeah. I'll give him that at the very least. I just find it interesting that Chris Wagner has been up for a couple of games. And they're just almost ready to risk losing Olsen for nothing just to to keep that. Do you going. think he's going to get claimed? There's a pretty solid. Ch- I mean, we're close to the trade deadline, and it's a guy who can reliably play fourth line minutes and has played most of the games yeah. for this Abs team all season long. I think there's a reasonably good chance he gets claimed. Like, it's not like it's October right now, and there's just a million guys going through waivers. Yeah, I mean, we're setting ourselves up for a terrible old takes exposed because by the time you're listening to this, it will be known if he made it through waivers or not. I, I think it's 50-50, honestly. Like, I I won't be stunned either way. Like, I think if he gets deeper into waivers, there could be some teams that maybe have some injuries in their bottom six right now that just get give him a whirl kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back on waivers later and the Avs get him back before the playoffs somehow. But it's just my initial thought when this happened was like, okay, something's happening right like okay they're sending out a center of all people that must mean there's a center coming or there's an update with val coming soon or just anything like that they're calling someone else up i mean bennar just said yeah it's for flexibility just we're carrying a lot of guys right now and we need to make some space and we just we've given up on the concept of it being curtis mcdermott it's not going to we're well we're three seasons into this now it's not going to happen so no point. Hey, on the positive side, his contract extension hasn't been announced yet. So yet. <laughs> That's gonna be a day I love when they sign him to another extension and people just get all sorts of angry. Oh uh, that is gonna be fun. I mean, I was more surprised. I thought TV Ronto would get sit down before Olsen. I think it's an interesting debate at the very least. I think just Kibi Ronta does just like a little bit more in his role somehow. It's very marginal. Kiwi Ronta hasn't scored in three months still. Yeah. Like you were talking like minuscule differences in production. Olafson hasn't scored or produced in forever. Kiwi Ronta has not scored or produced in forever. It's just, I don't know, maybe you give the tie to Olafson as a center, but is he really even a center with yeah, I... face off percentage? But I, I guess they just really like Chris Wagner, and maybe this was the plan all along. Maybe it was to to bring in Chris Wagner after he got healthy when they signed him back in the summer and wait for him to heal from his Achilles. And I guess they just they want more size in the bottom six and just a little more sandpaper, more than what Freddie can bring. Yeah. So world takes exposing ourselves if uh if he got claimed. Uh I'm gonna say he doesn't get claimed, and then Griffin will say he does get claimed. So at least in one way I mean, we're right. I can see the world where he does. Like yeah, I, I could too. I could see bottom, like a, see a bottom six affordable guy who can play center. I think I could there see are teams out there willing to do. I mean, it's literal league men. Yeah, Seattle. I think Seattle will be the team that could pick him up. I, I think there's a bunch of teams that would be like, yeah, no, well, what's the harm, right? Yeah, what's the harm? So, yeah, surprise move. Um, I kept waiting like you to see if there was another thing, and it was just a very uneventful flexibility. Like Caleb Jones is still up with the team. Did you know that? <laughs> I, I bet the popcorn's been great in the press box lately. Yeah. Caleb Jones is still there. Curtis is still there. Who else is still? Who are we scratching other than that? I mean, Curtis, generally. Yeah, I mean, I said Curtis. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I mean, it's just, it, it's going to be an interesting move. I'll, I'm interested to see what the abs do after that trade deadline. 
two and a half weeks away. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. If anything happens is what they say about Nick Dow. Is his injury serious? Uh, it's not, not serious. That's really all we've got. Did he play tonight? No. And now Mantha's hurt. <laughs> your 14 man. All your trade pieces are getting hurt. Yep. Oh, she's probably done for the season. And I mean, that's not really a surprise. And then the Caps have are on a four-game point streak because they lost in overtime to Florida, snapping their three-game winning streak. So this is just all it's going, going swimmingly for you right now. Both it's your just teams. All going. The one team you want to lose keeps finding ways to win, and the team you want to win is just fucking finding ways to lose. I'm having a really great time. Yeah, it's been oh. a great time. It's a great Saturday night we're having right now. But I don't think like any other big NHL news we need to talk about. Well, there's one where the Vegas Golden Knights oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, have placed Mark Stone on injured reserve and have given him a two-and-a-half-month-ish timeline to return with a, what was it, the... Spleen, lacerated spleen. Lacerated spleen. Listen. You got to respect the game at this point. At a you got to respect the game. Do we had this exact same conversation last year and the year before that (laughs) and the year before that no one can really pinpoint when mark stone got hurt correct but just has a lacerated spleen an injury that just so happens to pretty much coincide with start of playoffs am i doubting mark stone is hurt no not really i think there's He's probably hurt. I think Mark Stone is just a guy who's just constantly in pain and is going to be living with pain the rest of his life yes. after his NHL career. But you're t- you're telling me for the second season in a row, the same team with the same player are going to be putting him on LTIR with an injury with the exact same timeline as the rest of the regular season. Uh-huh. And now they're all of a sudden rumored to be in on Jake Gensel, Tarasenko, all the big names at the trade deadline. And I'm just supposed to think that's fine. Um, Yeah, you are. Because I, it's gotten to the point now where it's so blatantly obvious that the Vegas is doing that. I kind of respect it. Like I I I have to respect it. Like, because part of the genius of it is like you can't be like, oh, it's fake because, oh, he's actually hurt. What's wrong with you? Have some sympathy. Come on. At the same time, we I respect know, the game. Bro. Like, exactly. Like, I respect the hustle because there's nothing anyone can do. No. I said this in the TikTok I made. The, the fact that I, I hate how NHL owners pie, or cry poor because they aren't. They aren't poor. They're billionaires. B with the B billionaires. And yeah, the players owed them money. The fact the salary cap hasn't gone up to 90 million is absurd. And I know it's not fair to compare the NHL to the NFL, but did you see the NFL salary cap is going up $30 million this year? Yeah, one of the largest increases ever. Which I impossible to compare the NHL to the NFL because the NFL is a monster and the NHL is just a little tiny guy. But those same people who own NHL teams, a lot of them own NFL teams. They have money. The fact the salary cap hasn't gone up and teams have to do this is a shame. I'm not saying you get rid of the salary cap, but do what the NBA does. Do the luxury tax. And then they just tax the shit ton of if you want to go over the tax limit. I think that's just what you do. 
And you don't have to have this where Mark Stone, yeah, he may actually be hurt, but he's one of the better players in the NHL. People pay to watch Mark Stone. They don't pay to have him be out two and a half months and then come back right before the playoffs. This shouldn't be a thing in the NHL where you have to put players on LTIR just to make moves to make your team better. That just shouldn't be a thing. Well, and also, there needs to be very comprehensive evidence. Like, if Mark Stone comes back for game one of the playoffs, they the Vegas Golden Knights need to publicly make it clear that that was the only timetable. Because if he could have come back like a week or two earlier, that should be considered salary cap manipulation. Like, that should be considered circumvention. Like there needs to be, it needs to be made public and clear that this followed every protocol in the books or put something in the rule book for the playoffs that you, if you are not in the minors, you count towards the salary cap in the playoffs. Like you can call up AHLers all the live long day. I mean, that's kind of the, the point of the rule, yep. but at a certain point when over, pretty much really it's only been the abs that haven't had this problem as a Stanley cup champion in recent memory, you know, yep. not to flex on everyone or anything but vegas had a problem with it tampa had a problem with it where it's like you've seen the last several champs all have a little bit of a question mark as to how much are they really spending compared to everyone else and now everyone's doing it at the same time the abs are gonna be like if gabe landiscog comes back in the playoffs we're gonna look we're gonna look like real fucking like like, different circumstance because it didn't happen now like it's it, yeah. Because even when it did happen, when we did win the cup, like we were still salary cap compliant, even yeah. if we put Landeskog back in the lineup. But even now, very different situation because Landeskog has not played a hockey game in two years. So yeah, no, it's it's. But people don't care about that. They will right. just see he came back for game one, and it's like oh, cap circumvention. Uh, it, it just goes back to my point, man. The salary cap, I get it's for competitive balance, and you want the teams to be able to. Uh, all be on the same level but there's a stand the man Cronky is would pay the luxury tax he's paying it for the nuggets right now and that team's competitive put something like that in the league and it still incentivizes the teams like arizona who they will get money from that tax because that money goes back into the other teams do something like that It, it the hard salary cap is the biggest joke in all of sports i i think it's 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 stupid and you don't need to have a hard salary cap of 83 and a half million, like 83 and a half million for Stan Kroenke is nothing. Right. Nothing. And also at the same time where like the salary cap being this stagnant for so long, I think is bullshit. It, it like, is. I hate when I get why these owners are billionaires because they're smart businessmen and women, but at a certain point, like Ted Leonis, like that dude pisses me off more than anything. He's a billionaire and complaining that DC won't give him $500 million. Like, it's like, you're a fucking billionaire, bro. <laughs> like, right. I, I get it. That's why they're billionaires because they're smart with their money. But just let the salary cap go up. And if owners want to, because is it, who's the owner of the, the Vegas Golden Knights? What's his name? I don't have it off the top of my I head. I wanted to say Bill Daly, but that's the other guy who is commissioner thing. Um, Mick Foley, no, that's a wrestler. Chuck Foley. No, know. that's Bill Foley. It's Bill Foley? Yeah. Okay. Um, he obviously wants his team to win, and he's willing to spend for it. We should reward teams who want to do that, not have to have them manipulate a salary cap to make their team better. I mean, it's just my overall point is, like, since the, since the bubble playoffs, it's just been the excuse about back taxes, you know, it costs so much to operate, we lost so much revenue. Bullshit. That yeah. bubble, okay, I get you operated at a loss for, like, two months. 
the NHL since then has been making more money than it's ever made. You made a, right. a historic TV deal, gate revenues, alternate jerseys. Like they've been killing it on every other front. You're telling me over the last four years, it's gone up $4 million. Yeah. If that even. It pisses like, me off. Like oh, I get very heated about this just because it's the NHL salary cap is a joke. And this is what teams do now. Like that, what Vegas is doing is what teams have done since the Hawks did it in 2015 when they won their last cup. Yeah. With Patrick Kane. Yeah. 2015. That's what teams have done. And that's how you're going to win. The abs are like the lone anomaly who haven't done that. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of respect the hustle for Vegas. I do. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're playing within the rules. The rules are fucking stupid and open to manipulation, but they're there for everyone to use as stupid as it is. Yep, got to respect the grind at this point, man. But yeah, that pissed me off just because it's like, this is the NHL's own fault. Like you, you can't even get mad because Vegas is doing what they've been allowed to do since 2015. And if you're not doing it, you're not probably competing as the highest level of teams. Like yep. I'm sure somehow Tampa Bay will be able to find a way to to add at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, Sergachev's going on LTIR. He's probably not coming back still, but... Yeah, but that, that's a legitimate injury. That yeah, like, that's, that's, a, that's a legitimate issue at the very least. And I don't know. It's it's a, it's annoying, very least. Yeah. No matter the technicality or anything else of it, it's annoying. It's very annoying. But, yeah, I got heated about that. I'm going to calm down now uh, because it just frustrates me that these billionaires cry poor. Like, what, dude, how is that going over in D.C. with the Ted Leona shit? Because didn't happen. that... Didn't get, it got voted down in Virginia, right? Pretty much. Like the the mayor of DC is like, y'all have an agreement with us to stay like 2047. And then the Richmond governor was like, this is not happening. So I'm not totally up to date on it, but it's not looking great. It seemed very. Oh my God, that poor billionaire Ted Leonis, man. Damn it. Yeah. No, no, right. <laughs> oh, well. I saw that and I was just like, this is the stupid. I love when billionaires cry poor. Yeah, <laughs> love it. But I don't think there's any other NHL news that you can nope. think of top of your head. Nope. We got two quick mailbag questions. We'll start with our favorite topic of conversation. What would be a point where you'd feel comfortable saying Bednar's seat is getting hot? Question from Eric. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think two more years. Like what would have to what unless would have we can. To... What would have to happen for Bednar to be on the hot seat for you? They get embarrassed in the playoffs two years in a row. They okay. Like, I, Let's like say last they, year, they get they get swept by Winnipeg in the first round, and then they're sitting at the All Star break, like like six points out of the playoffs. His seat would be on fire. Yeah, his his seat's hot at that point. I still wouldn't say fired. I no. I think they would have to actually miss the playoffs following up an embarrassing playoff loss where it's like it's very clear he's lost the room and you've had two bad results because of it then I think they would do that cuz I I think Bednar is very much in cahoots with Sackick and McFarland on a lot of their stuff like I think they just work together on everything they're not just going to throw Sackick into the fire the second things get bad. Like, I think they would have to actually finish the season missing the playoffs and have it, not be, and have it not be because of goaltending or injuries. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at the Kraken series last year, like, that, that was a corpse of a team <laughs> that somehow made it to the playoffs. This year, 
you're relatively healthy, it, it'd be an embarrassment. And then you get to the all-star break and you're still struggling. I think the seat's hot. Yeah. Like the conversation I think is only even feasible at that point yeah. in a, in a somewhat near future kind of situation where they, they get beaten up really bad, like embarrassingly bad in the first round where it's like, they're not even in these games at all. And then just the season is just going off the rails. Like if Landeskog and Valor back next year and this team is still suffering, then then you're starting a yeah, conversation after that. Agreed. And if it's not because of injuries or goaltending, like I said, if you get to the end of the season outside of the playoffs, because I think Bednar is a good enough coach that you give him the benefit of the doubt till the end. Agreed. But if he so but his coaching that's history. Yeah. If he does not reward that by the end of that season, then that's a different story. Yeah, and they just signed him to the extension. So, like, I just I don't see a realist because I don't see that happening. First of all, no. I don't see that being a realistic situation anytime soon. Because again, using the Mike Sullivan example, who's pretty much been around as long as Bednar has at the NHL level, the Penguins uh, since they won the Cup have not won a round and missed the playoffs last year, and are looking like they're not going to make the playoffs again. He's going to make it to the end of the season. He's, I don't think he makes it to next season, but I don't think he makes it to the end of the year kind of thing. Agreed. And I think it would be very similar for Bednar, where it's just, even then, I wouldn't be 100% convinced they fire him if that exact situation plays out, where they get embarrassed and miss the playoffs next year. Like, I could very well still see them holding on to him. I'm not entirely Agreed. convinced that would happen. Yeah. I, I think a lot of things have to go wrong before he even is on the hot seat. It's like, I just don't th- like Bednar's not going to be the first guy gone on this team. No, I think it'd be the assistants before Bednar. Yeah, it's the, it'd be the, there, it, be, Jared Bednar's firing would not be sudden. There would be signs, like several signs. Rat would be gone. The special teams coaches would be gone first. And if all of that didn't work out, then I think they would very reluctantly fire him. And Bednar would not even make it out the door before he had another job. Yeah, exactly. I agree. It's just like Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan will get another job. Yeah. I think he'll Bruce Cassidy a team next season and put them over the top. But even still, like, I just don't see that as realistic at all. Agreed. Like every conceivable thing going wrong. Because I think Bednar's a great coach. I don't think he's lost the room at all. I don't think he's going to lose the room anytime soon. I think he is an integral part of this organization and their success and it having it trickle down. So I just, I don't see that at all. So what's the next one? Next one from our boy, Logan, who's always got a question, which we appreciate saying, I can't quite figure out exactly what is going on, but Mika Ranton to me is playing some sloppy hockey, missing shots on net, careless passing attempts, lack of hustling at times too. What say you guys, is this just ranting or in a rut or a cause of concern? Um, I mean, we talked about, I, I, I'm going to believe it's a rut because last year he proved that he can do that, but your eyes are not fooling you, Logan. Uh, he is, he looks like he doesn't give a flying fuck out there. I'd say it's both. I think he's in a rut and suffering through just give a fuck itis, whereas just, it's not there for him lately, whereas just in the regular season, the motivation has not entirely been there 
for one reason or another. I think he is in a rut. I hopefully he's broken it by scoring this goal against Toronto and he can still maybe back his way into a hundred points. It's going to be a fight for it, but he's going to still come close to it at the very least. But I've said this a couple of times where this off season, Miko Rantanen is going to be eligible for an extension and he is going to have to sit across from McFarland and Sackick and with his agent and try to justify why he deserves David Pasternak, Nylander, Marner money. I think he gets it, but there's going to be tape from these games where even when the going is getting tough in the middle of the regular season, that Detroit game is going to get used. And I think this, I just a prediction. I think this negotiation is not going to be pretty. No, it's going to get ugly. I think he's going to ask for a lot of money. And I think these examples of games are going to get brought up. Whereas like, so why against Detroit is Nathan McKinnon taking 10 shots in the same amount of game time as you and you have won kind of thing where it's like, why is it when we're on the road against an Eastern conference team in the middle of the season, it's very clear. You're just not trying very hard. Should we be paying you $12 million for that right. kind of thing? Where it's like, okay, we'll give you 10. And I just don't think he's going to be super happy with some of the offers that come his way. Because the market's been set on wingers. I don't think Miko Rantanen leaves. I think they would try to get him as low as they can. But if the option is between Rantanen leaving or overpaying him, they're going to overpay him kind of thing. Because yes. Miko Rantanen, he's one of the best players in franchise history. But that's going to yeah, be a thing agree. this summer where we might be getting into next season. It might not be done. And we're, no. it's going to start to creep in a little bit. I think it gets done eventually, but I think there's going to be some stuff because I don't know if this team's particularly happy lately. I think they're happy with having Miko Rantanen, but I think them, like everyone else, wants a little more right now out yeah. of him. And if he doesn't figure it out the rest of the season, and if he's bad in the playoffs, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough time. Yes, it's going to be a tough time, but... We'll have to wait and see. But Logan, once again, your eyes don't fool you, my friend. <laughs> it's it's very much a um, it, it's going to get ugly. I completely agree with you in that aspect of it. The, this contract negotiation is going to get. We thought the Taves one was bad. This one's going to get rough, right? Because with Taves, there was a pretty realistic way that you could see him going. Ranton, yep. like, there's there, he's not he's not walking out that door, and he knows that too. So right. It's going to be probably contentious. I don't think we're going to hear much about it. But just uh, when July 1st hits, that's going to be a topic of conversation is the Miko Ranton in extension. And unless he puts together some better performances over until the end of the season and in the playoffs, might not be pretty. Yeah, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> oh, Pros are tough. Got another shutout tonight. Right on, right on cue. <laughs> just saw that good for pros with top but yeah i don't think i have anything else man no i think we are all set for this one it's just just another frustrated episode where i was really hoping we were past this after yeah, these episodes the suck man i don't yeah, like doing I, these episodes. I, I can feel myself getting frustrated and I, I don't like it i don't like being this frustrated i don't like being the guy that comes on here and is frustrated and maybe saying things that I don't really mean at the time that I'm going to regret when I edit it and everything. It's like, I don't like, I don't like this. I don't like doing this. 
winning is more fun and I want this team to do well, but they haven't given me a ton of reasons to feel good lately where they're, they're just showing telltale signs of just flaming out pretty early on. And I hope that's not the case because they do have pieces to go far, but they just need more from their guys. They need, they need more from pretty much everyone not named Nathan McKinnon right now. Yep. <laughs> I feel bad for McKinnon at this point. Yeah, I do. I do too. And he's having this great season and there is a realistic world where he doesn't even make the finalists for MVP. Yeah. Like I think he should win it, but Kucherov's going to be on there. If Matthew scores 70 goals, he's on the list. And yes. then it's up to just if like if McDavid takes over the scoring lead or whatever, then it it's going to be real interesting. Someone's getting left off is my overall point. I don't think it's Matthews. I don't think it's Kucherov. I don't think it's McKinnon. But then you're leaving McDavid off of the ballot entirely. Like it's probably going to be. The difference between first and fourth is probably going to be the closest it's ever been in history. Yeah, agreed. Because like it'll be fun. Matthew scores seventy goals and doesn't make the ballot. I think Toronto would burn down the NHL headquarters. But that's also the thing. There's a lot of Canadians voting on this award. A lot of them are Toronto based. Not yeah. calling into question the integrity of the awards. I'm just saying, if a Leaf scores seventy, they're not leaving him off the ballot. Right. that's the truth and that's why there's two mvp awards there's one voted on by the players or the gms the ted Lindsay, and there's yeah so it could be like it could be a situation where the ted Lindsay has mckinnon uh kucherov and mcdavid and the other one just has matthews mcdavid and kucherov like there's a real chance that happens yeah and we will see i mean we're getting down to nitty gritty, and this game against Dallas is—we've said it a lot—it's gonna tell a lot about this team because I—I think this is the final strike. If you flame yes. out against the Stars, then I've—I've I've got nothing more to say to you. Like, okay, you beat yep. Chicago and Nashville coming up, and you get revenge on the Red Wings. That's awesome, dude. Great. You have to beat the Stars. That's it. Yep. It's a gateway game. Yep. So I'm ready to wrap this one up here. I'm going to go take out my frustration, go play Helldivers, the greatest game of the last 10 years. So good. If you haven't played Helldivers yet, get the game. It's so good. So awesome. I'm jealous of that. I'm I'm going to a game night, and we're going to play board games, which if that doesn't scream you're almost 30, I don't know what else does. Yeah, when you get home, spend $40 and get Helldivers. It is, I cannot recommend it enough. I never get off topic on it like – non-hockey things on this show i'm breaking because <laughs> of how fun that game is i have not had that much fun with a game i on, I honestly i can't remember truthfully yeah. like because it's so good by yourself and it is some of the most fun i've ever had with friends i've had i've made like two close friends with just like complete strangers over the last like, five days yesterday I was, I was playing with it with a, an australian we played together for four hours. Never met the guy. Never. We didn't even speak to each other. <laughs> we communicated nothing but but emotes for for four hours. Had a blast. Best friend I've ever made in my life. <laughs> if that's not dudes summed up in general, right there, that's perfect. That's just yeah. dudes being dudes. Well, yeah, that's my one off-topic uh, rant for this episode. Get Hell Divers. It's not even full price. It's so worth the money. I cannot recommend it. Now, now the servers are fixed, and you can actually play it. Best game ever. Oh, so good. 
So good. All right. So I'll much check it fun. out. So good. But anyway, I'm done with that. I'm done with this episode, and I'm I'm done with this team for a couple of days until Dallas. Yep. We're going to be recording right after that game. It is at 9.30 Eastern time. We are not going to be recording until after midnight. So that, no matter what, is going to be an experience for me, at the very least. If you tune in for nothing else, tune in for my delirium, for better or worse. So... <laughs> Ready to wrap this one up here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It As It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can use promo code Tell It As It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. You know, follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It As It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then... Let's go abs.